0: Early on the first day of the week, while he was still dead, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple had Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the stripes of the linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Peter came along behind, behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the stripes of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple. Who had reached the tomb first also when he he saw and he believed. Father, we give you praise this morning because your word is life. Your word is able to change. Your word is able to transform. We give you glory because the entrance to the word brings light and it gives understanding to the simple. This morning we submit ourselves to you, Lord. Speak to our spirit. May we be changed. May we be transformed. Take glory this morning. In Jesus name. You may be seated. Hallelujah. This morning God is about to bless somebody. Nobody said amen. Amen. Okay, let me say it in the right way. Let me say it in the right way. God is about to bless me this morning. Because I don't know about you this morning. But God is about to bless me. Amen. It's about to bless me. You know we live in a generation where people don't believe. So sometimes you have to believe for yourself. So I I don't want to assume that you believe. But I'm saying this morning, if you're with me, God is about to bless me and somebody this morning. I don't know who is that person, but God is about to bless me this morning. Amen. Now, I was watching a program called a million dollar listing where they sell houses in LA, New York for one million dollars and above. And one of the things that I discovered with all these houses is that the key to the house is inspection. People get into the house. They make sure they look at the house deeply. They make sure they inspect everything before they give an offer into the house. Even when you go to the dealership, nobody stands at the distance and looks at the car and says, I like that car and buy it. You get into the car. You look at the seats. You look at everything that is inside the car. Sometimes you test drive, like multiple times, before you finally conclude that this car is my car. And then when I go again into the scriptures, I'm going to somewhere. The the Bible talks about a captain that was called Naaman, and he was very sick. And in his house was a slave girl, and the slave girl said, I know a certain prophet in Israel. If you go to this prophet, you will be healed. Naaman Assembled his chariot with all the gifts and everything, gold and everything that he had. No special clothing of purple, and went to Israel and went to the place of the prophet. Now he was thinking that in his caliber as a captain, the prophet would come out and say, Hey Captain, you're welcome. Let me pray for you. The captain, the, the prophet did not even accept to see Naaman face to face. He sent his servants to say to Neaman, Go. Wash yourself in the Jordan seven times and you'll be healed. And when they gave this news to Naaman, Naaman was so offended because first he said, he did not come out to even say hi. Like, where are you coming from? How was your journey? And in his, instead of laying his hands on me to pray for me, he gives me a silly instruction to go and wash in the pool on the river. And Naaman said, are there not better rivers in in Syria, where I came from, than all these ugly rivers in Israel. And then one servant said to him, captain, if this man had asked you to do something very complicated, you would have done it. But now that he said, go wash yourself in the Jordan seven times, you're acting as if the instruction is so complicated. And then the Bible says, Naman got inside the Jordan, washed himself seven times. And it got clean. What am I saying this morning? Whether you are buying a car, or you are buying a house, or you want to get a miracle, if you don't get inside, you can never get what you want. Is anybody hearing me? If you don't get inside, you can never get what you want. So I want to preach to you this morning the topic, get inside. Tell your neighbor, get inside. 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 As you tell somebody beside you, get inside. The reason why many of us are not experiencing what we're supposed to experience is because we are still outside. But God is saying this morning, get inside. Because something is about to happen. Hallelujah. Something is about to happen. Now the Apostle Paul says that if Christ be not resurrected, we are the most miserable of all people. Because the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the climax of Christianity. Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, All what we are doing here is in vain. Because it is the resurrection of Jesus Christ that gives meaning to our faith as Christians. You must realize that in all religions, talking about Islam, when Muhammad died, he stayed in the grave. In Hindu, when their leader died, he stayed in the grave. In Buddhism, when their leader died, he stayed in the grave. There was even a leader called Baha'u'llah who claimed to be the Messiah. But when he died, he stayed in the grave. The only man in history... Who promised to die and come out of the grave and it was fulfilled with evidence is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That is why Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a lifestyle that was displayed by Christ for us. Christianity is not man looking for God. Christianity is God looking for man. Is somebody hearing me? Before you ever thought about looking for God, God was looking for you. I said, before you ever thought about looking for God, God was looking for you. Before you ever thought about giving yourself to God, God was already looking for you. That is why the resurrection is so important for us as Christians. Hallelujah. Now, just to give you an idea to understand what the resurrection is all about. There are people who don't believe in the resurrection. And I like to give you this information because as you go out there, you have people teaching all kinds of nonsense on Facebook, Facebook, And all over the place. You may fall into one of these these teachings and you think this is the truth. There are people who don't believe. And there are about 11 theories to refute the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Number one is what they call the swan theory. The swan theory says that Jesus did not die. He passed out. And when he passed out, while in the grave, the place was too cold. Then he got up and left. That is what the theory said. Then the second theory is what they call the spirit theory which says that Jesus resurrected, but not in a bodily form, that his spirit resurrected, but his body stayed in the grave. And then the third theory is what they call the hallucination theory, which means, which says that the disciples imagined, that they just imagined that he resurrected, went about and propagated the news, and people believe. and today it is written for us to also imagine. Number four is the vision theory, which says that, the disciples did not actually see the body. They had a vision of the resurrection. And then they wrote their vision as if it was something that happened to make people believe. Then number five is the legendary theory. We say that these things are like stories that are myth that are just said about Jesus so that people can think he was a superpower or a strong man. Number six is the stolen body theory. which says that after Jesus was, 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 was crucified and was buried, In order for the disciples not to be ashamed of what he said he was going to do after he died, they came by night and stole his body so that they would not say his master, their master, was a liar. So they stole his body by night. Number seven is the wrong tomb theory, the wrong grave, which says that when Jesus was actually buried, they went and buried him in a different grave. Then the day of the resurrection, the disciples went to another grave that was completely empty. No man was buried there. So they assumed that since the grave was empty, he was actually buried. Number eight is what they call the life of profit theory. This, This theory actually says that after Jesus died, the disciples wanted to gain more fame. They wanted to become more popular. So what they did was that they went around telling people, oh, he's risen, he's risen, so as to attract more people into their sect. Number nine is what they call the mistaken identity theory. It is actually said that it was not Jesus that was crucified. Somebody else was crucified in the place of Jesus. So when Jesus, when when, when they went and the grave was empty, they said it was Jesus, but Jesus did not actually die. And number 10, which is crazy, is what they call the twin theory, which says that Jesus had an identical twin brother who died in his place. So when he died and the brother died, then he came out and was claiming that he was alive. When he never died, it was his brother who died. And number 11 is what they call the Muslim theory. And this theory rejects the biblical witness concerning the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Now, for those of you who don't have access to Quran, there's a chapter in Quran called Surah. In Surah chapter 4, verse 157, this is what the Quran says. It says, they declared, we have put him to death, the Messiah Jesus, the son of Mary, the apostle of Allah. They did not kill him, nor did they crucify him. They thought they did. That is what the Quran said. The Quran said that uh, the people thought that they crucified Jesus. They thought they killed him, but he was not actually killed. But these are all the lies about Jesus. But I was telling somebody, I could go into depth to defend the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I could go into depth to show you scriptures, to show you evidence from history, to show you evidence from archaeology that Jesus has risen and he resurrected from the grave. But there is one evidence that no man can deny. He changed my life. (laughs) I say he changed my life. That is the only evidence I can present to you this morning. If, If God can change a man like me, that's an evidence. I don't know about you. But if God can change a man like me, that is an evidence. If God can take a man like me and use, that is an evidence. Hallelujah. The power of God is alive. The power of God is effective even today. In the name of Jesus. Now going back to the text that we read this morning. The Bible says, on the first day of the week. Theologians have a disagreement on the day Jesus died. But they don't have a disagreement on the day Jesus actually rose from the dead. Because this is the disagreement. Most people say, Jesus himself said, As Jonah was in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. So will the Son of Man be in the grave for three days and three nights. So if we assume that Jesus died on Friday, how is Friday to, to Sunday morning three days and three nights? Is hey, somebody listening to what I'm saying this morning? So they have some people say he died on Thursday, some people say he died on Wednesday, some people say he died on Friday. But the only thing that they don't disagree about is the day he rose from the dead. Hallelujah. So I don't care whether he died on Monday. I don't care what I did on Tuesday or it was on Wednesday. One thing I know, he rose from the dead. Is somebody hearing me this morning? He rose from the dead. Amen. And the Bible says it was the first day of the week. And the Jewish day starts on Sunday. So the first day was Sunday. And Mary Magdalene went to the grave that early morning. Now listen, after Jesus died, some of the disciples went back to fishing. But this woman did not give up. I believe that after Jesus died and was crucified, she had a sleepless night because the master was gone. And early in the morning, because of the passion and concern for the master, she went to to the grave in the morning. And the Bible said when she got to the grave in the morning, the stone that was blocking the entrance was rolled away. Now let me explain to you something. Most people think that the stone was rolled away so that Jesus could come out from the grave. That is what most people think. Jesus rose from the dead while the grave was still closed. Oh, nobody heard what I said this morning. I said Jesus rose from the dead while the grave was still closed. But why was it important for the angel to roll away the stone? Notice that any car that you see in this country with a government seal belongs to the government. Any house that you see in this country with a government seal belongs to the government any cloth anything you see with a government seal belongs to the government so when jesus died if you read the account of mark the bible said the pharisees went to pilate and said we remember that when this deceiver was alive he said that he was going to rise again from the dead we know that he has conspired with his disciples to take the body away from the grave and lie that he has resurrected so please give us some bodyguards to go guard the grave so that his disciples don't come by night and steal his body So Pilate ordered guards to be placed at the grave of Jesus. Not only were they guards, but Pilate also put a Roman seal on that grave. Which means that grave now belonged to the Roman government. No Jew had access to the grave. No man could go into the grave. So it needed supernatural intervention for the grave to be opened. Because without the grave being opened, nobody would have seen that Jesus Christ had resurrected. Is anybody hearing me this morning? So an angel had to descend to open that grave to give a testimony that he has truly risen. I announced to you this morning, whatever stone that is blocking your life, God is about to roll that stone away. Any stone that is blocking your career, God is rolling that stone away. Any stone that is blocking your family, God is rolling that stone away. Any stone that is blocking your business, God is rolling that stone away. Amen. Somebody says it's rolling away. Somebody tell them it is rolled away. It is rolled away. It is rolled away. Is rolled away. Hallelujah. Amen. And the grave was open. The moment Mary saw the grave was open and she looked inside, the master was not there. And she ran back to Peter. And listen to what she said. They have taken our law and we don't know where they have kept it. Now, there is something important about this text that gets me excited. Because in the Jewish culture, the testimony of women will not believe. In the Jewish culture, a woman was not allowed to testify in court. A woman's testimony in court was not admissible. So for Jesus to give the Witness of his resurrection first to a woman is a life-changing testimony for women. I wish men would say amen to this, to this woman. So for Jesus to, to show himself first to women was a change in paradigm. Something was shifting in the spirit realm. Jesus was saying, women, in time past, your voice was not heard. But after now, your voice shall be heard. In time past, you were not considered. But after his resurrection, something is happening. Your voice shall be heard. That is why he said, "In the last days, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Not only men, but your daughters too shall prophesy." Tell a woman beside you, "You have a voice." I said, "Tell a woman beside you, you have a voice." And she went to Peter. And Peter, when Peter heard this, they started running. And the Bible said the other disciple that Jesus loved, who, who, which, who the, which the Bible says is John, around Peter. There was a competition. But look, look at the irony in this text. He around Peter got to the grave first, but didn't go in. So the question was why are they running? You overtake somebody. Let's say we are going to Maryland, to an occasion in Maryland. You overtake me on 66. Like 120 miles an hour. And then you get to, to Maryland, the bridge that says, welcome to Maryland, you park on the side, you don't get to Maryland. Why this? You could have gotten a speeding ticket for the running. Why are they speeding without you getting to the destination? You know, there's some people, all they do in life is competition for no reason. They just compare. If you do something, they want to just do what you have done above what you've done. They make sure they compare with anything with no reason. listen, Life has lanes, and everybody has their destination. You can't run for me, I can't run for you. If you run because you're comparing with me, you are going to crash, and I'll get to my destination. Is anybody hearing me? Everybody in this life has their lanes. Is somebody hearing me? Everybody in this life is called to a particular thing. So if you're comparing with people, and you're speeding on the highway because you're looking on the person beside you, You may be going to North Carolina, but that person is just going to Delaware. You are not going to the same destination. So, stop speeding. Stop comparing. is anybody hearing me? We have different lanes and our destinies. And he got to the grave and didn't go in. And then Peter came, went into the grave, saw the evidence, and he believed. And the Bible says that the other disciple who went in first after Peter went in and believed, he went in now he saw and he believed. Now the, when the Bible says he went in and saw and believed means that when he got to the grave, he did not believe right away. Maybe he was thinking like one of these people who were thinking these crazy things like maybe somebody stole his body, maybe he did not actually die, maybe he fainted, maybe he, he, he did not make it. The promises were not true. I don't know what he was thinking. But until he got inside, that is when he was able to see the evidence. As long as he was outside, he had no experience with anything about the resurrection. It was only when he got inside that he was able to see and believe. That is why I'm telling somebody this morning, get inside. Because as long as you are outside, you can never experience the power of the resurrection. As long as you are outside, you can never experience the power of God. Tell somebody by your side, get inside. inside. I said, tell somebody, get inside. inside. He was lingering outside. Until he got inside, then he was able to see the evidence and he believed. May I say there's some people who are in a church, but not inside. Some people are in a denomination, but not inside. Some people are even in a pastor's house, but not inside. Some people may even be a pastor's friend, but not inside. Until you get inside, you can never have a revelation of who Jesus Christ is. This morning, I I came to appeal to you, get inside. Hallelujah. Get inside because it is inside that we have the experience. It is inside that we have the power. It is inside that we have the glory. It is inside that we have the testimony. Hallelujah. There are three things I want to tell you why you must get inside. Number one, you are blocking the door. Just imagine, I've noticed some people that whenever they go to an occasion, they are always outside. They, don't, they never get into the, the occasion itself. They just hang around the door talking to people. They create a crowd. You think that maybe the place is full inside. Meanwhile, they play their empty seat, but they always like just being outside. <laughs> they make it seem as if there's no way to get into that building. And somebody may look from a distance and say, Well, that place is so full. I don't have a seat. They just blocked the door. Jesus is saying, if you're not going inside, get out of the door so that other people can get inside. Is yes. anybody the enemy? Yes. This is what he said to the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23 verse 13. He said to the Pharisees, you are neither going in nor going out. You are blocking the door for people to get in. In other words, they were in religion, not in Christ. Just walking around the door, discussing talking about the things that are going inside, but they were never inside. And Jesus said, I am tired of you standing at the door. If you're not going to get inside, get out of the door. In other words, I am tired of you going to church. If you're not going to have a personal relationship with me, get out of the door. I am tired of people being at the door. I want you inside. Tell somebody, get inside. Get inside. Because you are blocking the door. Do you know how many people have refused to believe in Jesus because of Christians who are standing at the door. You are not in Christ, you're just at the door. You can tell people about what the church is, but you are not inside. You can talk about the pastor, but you are not inside. You can talk about Jesus, but you are not inside. You can talk about faith, but you are not inside. And people are looking at you and thinking you are a Christian, when you are not inside. And Jesus said, I am tired of you blocking the door. Get away from the door so that the people who want to get inside can come inside. Don't block the door. Number two, you can't experience the resurrection of Christ from outside. You cannot. Let me call an example to you. There are some people that when we introduce some spiritual phenomenon to them, it still sounds very strange. Even though they've been Christians for very long. For example, there are people who have gone to church, who have never seen a miracle or a healing. One a brother even told me told me one day, he said, The only time I see miracles or testimonies is on TV. But he has been a Christian, he was born in church. And I said, You've only been at the door, you've never been inside. Because if you were inside, you yourself should have experienced a miracle. Is somebody hearing me? We go to church, we talk about miracles, we talk about things that we have never seen because we are outside. Until you are inside, you can never experience the power of God. The very first time I got around a Pentecostal church when I was still a Presbyterian back there and I heard them praying. I thought they were crazy. Now, like, why is everybody praying? Because in my church, the pastor prayed and everybody says, Amen. Amen. Nobody prayed. So the very first time I saw people walking in church and praying, 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 praying. I thought these people were all crazy. Until when I got inside, then I also experienced how. Before I knew I was also walking around and praying. I could not experience what they were doing from outside. I had to get inside. And ever since I got inside, my life has never been the same again. You have to get inside. Stop looking at it from outside. You have to get inside where the miracle is happening. Hallelujah. Amen. We hear some people who are Christians We look at them and see they are crazy. Because we've never been inside. But God is saying, after his resurrection, don't stay outside. There is something I want to show you. There is something I want to do in your life. But you have to get inside. Amen. 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 If you read your Bible, in Luke chapter 5, 27 to 39. The Bible talks about some four men that had their friend, and their friend was paralyzed. When they came to the door, like I was saying, the door was blocked with people who were neither inside nor outside. They just stood at the door. And these people saw that they could not experience the power from outside. So what did they do? The Bible said they went and dug the roof of the house and lowered their friend because they knew that the power was inside. The healing was inside. The glory was inside. The miracle was inside. The transformation was inside. The Bible said they lowered their friend down. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, great is your faith. Son, your sins are forgiven. The Bible said the man rose up and began to walk. Now, if these people stayed at the door, their friend would not have been healed. But because they understood that, the miracle was inside. They got inside and they received their healing. This morning, get inside. Hallelujah. I say, get inside. Amen. Stop standing at the door. God is calling to a deeper relationship. Get inside. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Get inside. And number three, you cannot witness what you have not experienced. The reason why many of us are Christians but we can't talk about Jesus is because we are at the door. We've never been inside. We don't know what it means like to have a relationship with Jesus. That is why we cannot talk about him. If you read your Bible in Acts chapter 4, verse 20, after the apostles performed the miracle, the Siongri, which was the Jewish elders, arrested the apostles lead, led by Peter and they told them, said, we don't want you anymore to preach in the name of Jesus. And this was their response. We cannot stop preaching what we have heard and what we have seen. They have been inside and nothing could make them stop talking about what they saw. Other people that saw from a distance will say, well, we we are not sure if that Jesus actually rose from the dead. But the apostles who were first-hand witnesses of the resurrection said, we cannot stop talking about what we have seen and what we have experienced. You cannot talk about anything you have not experienced. If you don't get inside, you can never experience it. Hallelujah. Like I said, some people come to church, but they are not inside. They didn't pray, but they are not inside. God is saying today, stop standing at the door and need you to get inside. Hallelujah. Get inside. They said we cannot stop preaching about what we have seen or what we have believed, what we have heard, and they kept proclaiming. That is why Apostle Peter was able to die for what he believed, because he saw it. The reason why many of us are not convinced or convicted about our faith is because we have no experience. I was telling somebody the other day, I said, I don't need anybody to confirm that God has called me. Because I know the day God called me. I wasn't called by a dream. I wasn't called by a prophecy. I remember that evening in 2001 when I was in my room in broad daylight. And I saw a light from my wall with a voice talking to me in the day. I know this was God. Now because I believe in what God said. Because I saw what God said. Because I saw that encounter. I can never walk in confusion because I know what I saw. I know what I heard. I was inside. But it's easy for you to get discouraged when you've not been inside. It's easy for you to give up when you've not been inside. A man that has been inside will never give up. A man that has been inside will never be discouraged. A man that has been inside will never be led astray. God is saying this morning, brothers and sisters, get inside. There is something I'm about to show you. Hallelujah. There is something I'm about to reveal to you. Amen. Amen. There are many of us that certain things in Christ these sound very strange to us. Like, for example, when somebody said, The Lord said to me, you look at them like they're crazy. The, what the Lord said to you, you mean God said something to you? Are you that close to God? Because you are the door. Until you are inside, you cannot hear the voice of God. Or when somebody said, This night as I was praying, I saw an angel. You look at them like they are, they are, they are lying because you are the door. Until you get inside, you cannot experience these things. You have to pass religion, you have to pass denomination, you have to pass where you grew up, you have to pass where you believe, and come to a place where you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. It's only inside hallelujah! It is only inside. I remember back in the day when I started going to church, many of my brothers and sisters, even uncles, told me that I've grown man. My uncle said to me, "How can an intelligent man like you decided to decide to join these frustrated people?" But because I was inside, <laughs> whatever he was saying else, I, I was like, "If you saw what I'm seeing now, you will join me." And by the grace of many of them are joining, many of them are joining, and many will join because if they see what I'm seeing, they will join me inside. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. This thing is not about denomination. It's not about church. It's not about where you grew up. It's about something bigger than what you can ever think. Yeah. The power of resurrection. Yeah. If you don't get inside, you will never experience. This morning, God is calling us into a deeper relationship with him. Because he wants to show us something. Hallelujah. Yeah. You can never witness from outside. You can never experience from outside. But God is saying this morning, my son, my daughter, I want you to come inside because I'm about to show you some things. Amen. Yeah. I want you to stand on your feet this morning. Stand on your feet. There are two categories of people who want to pray for this morning. Number one, maybe you've never really surrendered your life to Jesus. This morning you can do so. And number two, maybe you've never really had a serious relationship with God. Maybe you're a Christian but you've never really taken your relationship with God serious. This morning can be that morning for you. I don't know the category where you belong, but you can talk to the Lord this morning. Because change is coming. I said change is coming. Amen. I said change is coming. Amen. I said change is coming. Amen. Like I said before, the very first day I heard that someone was fasting for 21 days, in my mind I was like, Who are you trying, what are you trying to do for 21 days? Because I was outside. Everything that I was, was saying was strange because I was outside. But the moment mm-hmm. I got inside, I understood why they were fasting for so long. Because when you are inside, you don't want to get out. And yet, there's a glory that is inside, that just wants to make you stay inside. You can strengthen your relationship with God this morning. Bow down your heads and begin to talk to the Lord. Talk to the, I don't know the category you belong this morning. You can surrender your heart to Him. You can say, oh God, renew my relationship with you. Renew my zeal, renew my love for you. I surrender to you this morning. Somebody talk to the Lord. I can't hear you praying. I can't hear you praying. Somebody talk to the Lord, talk to the Lord. Father, the name of Jesus. Rock of ages. Rock of ages. Rock of ages. I come to you this morning, my father, because I don't want to be outside. I want to get inside. I want to get to the place of power, the place of glory, the place of revelation, the place where I can hear your voice, the place where I can see your face. The place where I can understand the mysteries of the kingdom. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God.